it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ted Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Okay. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Eighth inning, Blue Jays, Yankees, 3-3. The basketball game tonight, game one of the NBA West Finals. 46-37, Denver leading the Lakers. Seven minutes left in the second quarter. The uh, Denver, the... Uh, home team, home court advantage for this series. It was a garbage bag day for the Oilers as a few guys uh, answered some questions from the media. Dreisaitl, Leon Dreisaitl, had a great playoff. Tough uh, game six for him against Vegas, but pretty spectacular overall. He said, does this current group have that championship formula? Very confident, but you, you got to prove it and you got to show it, right? I think we got the right pieces in place um, to get it done. Um, we can we can talk we can sit here talk all we want um, you know at the end of the day we got to go out there and, and and just get it done and obviously we we couldn't do that this year um, and again just use that as fuel and 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 you know positivity to towards next season and and you know ha have an, e an even better summer than last season and come come back stronger and a better player. Evan Bouchard in the postseason, 17 points in 12 games. He finished the regular season with 40 in 82, and you saw his output explode once Matthias Ekholm came over in that trade with Nashville. It meant that Bouchard replaced Tyson Berry on the power play, and Bouchard also played a little more and played better five-on-five. Five. Matthias Ekholm today talked about being paired with Bouchard. Obviously, I, I try to be a steady um, presence for him, knowing that he can play his game. Um, obviously, he needs to play offensively, and he needs to play really close to the edge of where turnovers and, and maybe as uh, the general public would, would look at weak plays or, or risky plays, so to speak. But if he doesn't do them, then I don't think he should be maybe in the lineup even because that's his game and that's what he needs to do to, to do it. And I think from day one since I got here, he has just been taking steps himself. And, and I, I, it's nothing that I've talked to him or said anything. He's just a young player. And I think, again, when I got here, he was just scratching the surface. And you could really tell that he just needs to be put in the right direction. And, and he's going to take off. And you, you guys all saw his coming out part of this playoffs too where he I mean he was a force on the back end for especially on that power play unit so um, it's been great playing with him I think he's a great guy and, and he's a lot of fun a lot of fun to be around so it's it's been it's been a, a great partnership so far all right and Ekholm you may remember when he was traded here he said he was really happy to come to the Oilers and also really happy to come to Edmonton talked about moving his family here maybe spending some time here in the summer and uh, I asked him you know almost three months later do you still relish being a member of the Oilers yeah 100 percent um it's it's been really great for me obviously coming off Nashville where we were 
selling or at the time we were selling and uh, to be able at my age come here to a team that is I mean we lost in the second round and nobody feels good about anything um, the way that happened everyone expects to win everybody thinks we should win we have a team here that is capable of doing it uh, we obviously fell short but to me that's that's awesome and it's really exciting and and uh, that opportunity is something that I, I will cherish this summer and, and work even harder on on my game and come back this this fall to, to to be able to compete even harder I think we we have what it takes in the room it's just a matter of getting it out well, a matter of getting it out and uh, seeing if they can keep this team together or bring in players who might improve it. The Oilers are, you know, as you know, close up against the salary cap. Now, we'll see how much it goes up this year in the next couple of years. You may have heard this speculation that there could be a pretty significant jump here in the near future. But uh, for now, the Oilers are uh, once again cash-strapped. They're going to have to give Bouchard a raise. You may want to keep Nick Bukestad. You may want to keep uh, Derek Ryan. Ryan McLeod's a restricted free agent. Clean Costin's a restricted free agent. Hart Levine, who runs the excellent website capfriendly.com, was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, and Stoff asked him to describe the Oilers cap situation. I would call it extremely, extremely tight and that they are pretty locked into the roster that they finished with um, without making some like big decisions. Um, we could just quickly walk through it. I have them right now with 6.7 million of cap space available for just 16 players under contract. That includes the fact that Bouchard earned 850000 in bonuses this last year, which will be a cap hit. Um, and so that, that with that 6.7 million, they've got to fill out the rest of the roster. Um, that only includes eight forwards. And so if we take, you know, we've got guys to sign. We're talking guys like McLeod, and you know, maybe re-signing guys like a, a Bukestad or Yanmark. But basically, with eight forwards, you know, we got to assume there's, they're going to have 13. I think if we take those five guys and say six million for that, you know, that's with McLeod probably getting the most out of all that and seeing whether Bukesad or Janmark or Ryan come back or you get guys that will come back at a lower price point. I think you got to say about $6 million for those five spots. But that leaves you with 700000 left for, with 21 players and you still have to re-sign um, Evan Bouchard. So to me, the only way you can sign Evan Bouchard is you got to move out Yamamoto. I don't think yeah, moving Yamamoto gets you like an upgrade somewhere else on the roster. I think you got to clear Yamamoto off just to get Bouchard signed and then you're pretty much capped out um, so you know like if you're looking at trying to upgrade a, a D spot for CC you know depending on how how tight you get with Evan Bouchard if you know they do a one-year deal or, or a two-year deal that could be impacted but there's really not much money available to do anything other than uh, like I said just getting Evan Bouchard resigned I think would require moving out Yamamoto all right well pretty uh pretty good explanation there from Hart Levine, uh, maybe not what you wanted to hear. Not a great cap situation for the Oilers, and it's we seem to be headed down a path here that uh, Yamamoto may have played his last game with the Oilers on Sunday. We'll see. Has Ken Holland been the GM of the uh, the Edmonton Oilers for his last game? Is he going to move into a different role with the team? And will Steve Stales take over as general manager? Frank Saravelli suggested that 
And uh, he was also on with Stoff earlier today and uh, addressed why he reported that. The Oilers have a really valuable member of their staff and Steve Steos, who I think is seen uh, in many different parts of the league as a highly qualified and coveted general manager candidate. I think there's more than one team right now that's on the prowl to try and eventually land Steve Steos. I think the Ottawa Senators are one. Um, and it depends on who their next owner is. I've, I said from months back, you can find the clip that Michael Andlauer, I think, is going to be the guy that ends up getting the team, regardless of what his bid looks like. The NHL knows him. They know how he conducts himself and his business. He's a minority shareholder in the Montreal Canadiens. He's owned the Hamilton Bulldogs, where he had a ton of success with Steve Steos as his general manager. And so the Oilers, I believe, ultimately are going to be protective and proactive in regards to handling how that functions from here, knowing that in a year's time from now anyway, they're likely going to have to make a decision as to who's replacing Ken Holland if his contract expires and after an incredible Hall of Fame career wants to step aside and retire. Okay, so uh, maybe we're going to get that sooner rather than later. Another storyline to keep an eye on here for your Edmonton Oilers. 780-496-0063. Kellen, we are... We are, we are behind in the messages, so let's try and catch up a bit here. Yes, indeed. Uh, Brent texts in and says, well, Justin Schultz went to the Penguins and they won a cup. Oh, yeah, that's somebody else too. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm sorry for forgetting another painful Oilers moment. There we go. Uh, Scott H. texting in and says, Steve Stales as GM is surprising. Thought they were grooming Keith Gretzky for that role. Uh, no, I de- well, actually, I didn't ever think that. I, I mean, I thought for the since they brought Stales in, I thought it was going to be Stales or Brad Holland as the next GM. I, you know, Keith Gretzky was here when they, Keith Gretzky was the interim GM before they hired Ken Holland. And then, you know, I think he's he's got a role that de- I would think everybody's happy with. So, yeah, I never, I never th- really thought Keith Gretzky was in the mix anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lois texts in and says, "Hi there. Yes, it burns me that Eichel may win before McDavid. And sad we're not watching a game tonight. That is from Lois. Would have been game seven tonight. Would have been incredible. I'm sorry, Lois. Mm-hmm. Well, anytime there's a game seven, it was good. I, I I enjoyed the game seven on the weekend, or actually last night, I should say, between Dallas and Seattle. I I thought that was a good game. As yeah, well. that was a pretty. That was there's some drama there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo texts in and says, "Hey Reed, I think as much as the players need to go through these disappointments to overcome and become champions, the coaches also need to taste the same thing. A few strategic mistakes by Woodcroft cost us two games versus Vegas and one versus LA. With that being said, I expect a more determined core group and a better surrounding cast to help bring Stanley." home to Edmonton next season signed at Mo. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to to point out some or to question some of the things Woodcroft did for sure. I do think Cassidy did a pretty good job in this series. It doesn't mean Woodcroft did a bad job, but hey, if you're the, the winning coach, you probably push the right buttons. I, again, I, I thought the Knights were better prepared in game one. Now, was that all on the coaching? Not necessarily, but I do think Cassidy had some definitely some things ready for that first game against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We got an unknown text coming in. Uh, by the way, if you guys uh, send a text in, give yeah, us a nickname. Give us a handle. Yeah. That's a good, we got Matt in a culvert. 
Yes. We've got one person who just goes by Ah, A-H. Yes, we have Norman Combine. We've had Greaser. We've okay. That's just off the top of my head, right? Yeah, a lot no, of Road Hammer, ones. absolutely. Uh, but anyway, a known text comes in and says, Reed, thought all those little things were supposed to be fixed last season. Seems like this talk has been going on since the Taylor Hall days. You play this game or any game long enough, eventually you will be successful. Well, yes, and I... And I mentioned that earlier. We are talking about some of the same things from the decade of darkness, but now we're not talking about fixing those things to get into the playoffs or become respectable. We're talking about winning, fixing those things to win the Stanley Cup. So the severity of the issues is less. I, I mean, I, I can't sit here and say the Oilers haven't made progress over the last seven years because they, they have. But... They're, they're, you know, some of the key elements that you need to win the Stanley Cup, the Oilers lacked. They lacked them slightly. They didn't lack them significantly, and we're finishing in last place. But fair comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aforementioned Greaser has texted in as well. Uh, he says it's simply goaltending, or is a Ranford or Cujo? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's only goaltending. I, I don't think the whole playoff loss is on Skinner. But you need better goaltending to go deep in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke texts, uh, texts in, I should say. It's Luke, and he says, here did uh, the Oilers lack team defense and quality goaltending. I'm surprised Campbell didn't get at least three starts in the playoffs. That's from Luke. I, I'm surprised he didn't get one. Then we could have gone from there. We got Lonnie texting in out in Tabor. and said, yeah, Exactly. Uh, I wonder if people in Tabor get sick of that. <laughs> Just corn. Oh, you're from Tabor. You got some corn there, eh? Yeah, we have other things in Tabor, okay? That's kind of their leading It's a very export. beautiful community. <laughs> we have a very famous... Yeah, now we got to look up Tabor. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, Lonnie in Tabor texted us and said, uh, the nurse contract is going to haunt Ed- Edmonton for eight years. Defense definitely... Sorry, who needs- was that? Uh, the nurse contract is going to haunt Edmonton. Oh, haunt. For- sorry, yeah. I, thought was, I thought you said something else. No, no, no. I uh, might have stumbled on that, but the, the nurse contract is going to haunt Edmonton for eight years. Defense definitely needs a few tweaks. Yamamoto has to go. Uh, goaltending needs a, needs a big body that is going to put fear into teams if greasy hockey is going to be played. Disappointed in the final result. That is Lonnie and Tabor. Okay. Uh, I just looked up Tabor on Wikipedia, so it says where it is and all that kind of stuff, and then it mm-hmm. says Tabor is famous for its corn. That's the first thing it says about Tabor. Really? Export. Oh, due to the large amounts of sunshine that the area receives, it is therefore known as the corn capital of Canada and holds an annual corn fest in the last week of August. So I guess it's true. There is nothing else worth noting about Tabor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Was it Lonnie that was from Tabor? Lonnie from Tabor. Yeah. I'm sorry, Lonnie. I can't find anything else interesting about Tabor. So you're going to have to help us out. I mean. Uh... We'd have to dig and see. Oh, I think Corey might... Lund is from Tabor now that I scroll okay. down. Yeah, yeah. That's, there you go. So you got a, a, a famous musician. There has to be and like a famous arts, the, NFL. And then under oh, arts sorry. and culture, it just says more about Cornfest. <laughs> I was going to say, there has to be at least somebody who's played in the NHL from Tabor or that area. Well, you'd think so. Uh, Brand- oh, Brandon Davidson. He's been on the show. There we go. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Former Oilers draft pick. Tied it all together. Lundy, good work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, one more here from Mike from Sherwood Park. He says, would be great if the Oilers would be less of a Jekyll and Hyde team. How many times did we score immediately, switch off and concede? Also, yeah. not to make excuses for the Oilers losing, but the poor refereeing and constant moving the goalposts of what a penalty is and what isn't was clearly more of a detriment to our team than Vegas. Okay. 
Thank you for those. 780-496-0063. Back in a couple minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Yeah, I think just, you know, that, that, that kind of empty feeling that you're kind of left with, you know, I think it's great fuel, you know, you don't want to feel that feeling um, uh, anymore. For us to just understanding, you know, how far away it is just to be back in that very same position, you know, and then we all got to go home and train all summer long and come back and go through camp and play 82 more regular season games just to get back to the very same spot um, and just understanding that when you're in the when you're there and you're playing in the, in the series it's you got to do anything to, uh, to to keep it going or win a game or, or whatever because um, um, you know it's it's a lot of work that goes into it just to get into that position and here we find ourselves you know, a year away again. That is a little bit from Connor McDavid today at his uh, year-end media availability. Jay Woodcroft and Ken Holland are scheduled to talk tomorrow at around 11 a.m. Edmonton Elks training camp underway. They have a preseason game in Calgary on Monday. It's on 6.30, Chad. Countdown to kickoff at 12.30, game at 2. That's the holiday Monday. Chris Jones commenting on moving practice indoors today. So this morning, I didn't know it smelled like electrical. You know, I was like, I was sitting in my office wondering what the smell was, and and uh, then they came in and told me that it was the, the wildfires is actually what that smell was. So we had to come inside, and I thought the guys responded well. Again, we can't get our double barrel, so it's tough to get, you know, as many reps. But we got through our script today, and uh, and it was a good day. All right, a little bit there from Chris Jones and your Edmonton Elks. All right. Quickly here, the uh, Blue Jays and Yankees now 5-3 for the Yankees. That is in the bottom of the eighth in Toronto. And that basketball game, we're keeping an eye on game one of the NBA West Finals. Nuggets 72, Lakers 54 at the half. 72 points for the Nuggets in the first half. Big thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. My name's Reed. We will have... The latest from uh, Woodcroft and Holland on the show tomorrow. And, of course, Oilers now with Bob Stoffer from noon to 3. He's still doing that uh, extra hour until the end of the week. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.